The Cambridge Animal Alphabet series celebrates Cambridge's connections with animals through literature, art, science and society. Why is for yak? Few people have found themselves chased by a yak in the course of their academic research. But that's what happened to Dr Riamsara Kuyokanon-Nap while studying for her PhD in Cambridge's Department of Geography. Her encounter with a female yak at a river crossing took place four years ago in the Bhutan Himalaya. Yaks are powerfully built and not easily intimidated, and females are known to be protective of their young. Bhutan is famous for being the last Buddhist Himalayan kingdom and is also renowned as a conservation landscape due to its abundant forests and wildlife. Kuyakanon Nap's research focuses on understanding this cultural landscape, how people and environment interact to create a specific sense of place, and, in particular, on the relationship between environmental conservation and Buddhist belief at multiple sites and scales. On the day of her yak encounter, Kuyakanon Nap was on a pilgrimage trail which passes through a remote region where the only inhabitants are monastics and herders who pasture their yaks in the high Himalaya during the summer. During the harsh winters, yaks are brought down to lower altitudes, around 3,500 metres above sea level. Yak herding has been part of life in the Himalayas for centuries, and yaks are uniquely adapted to their extreme environments, able to travel through and find forage in thick snow. The domesticated yak provides most of the resources needed for survival in a tough environment. Its meat is a precious source of protein. Milk from female yaks is drunk raw and churned to make butter and cheese. The animal's wiry outer wool is used to make yarn for weaving into material for tents and blankets, and its underlayer of softer fibre used to make clothing that keeps out the bitter winter cold. Nothing produced by the yak is wasted. In Tibet, coracles for ferrying across the wide, rapid rivers were made from yak hide, a material that is both light and strong, stretched over a flexible willow frame. Dried yak dung fuels the portable stoves used for cooking. Last but not least, the sturdy yak is used for traction and transport over terrain far too rough for a vehicle. The yak is an integral part of high-altitude livelihoods, particularly in Bhutan, but also throughout the Himalayas, Tibet and Central Asia. They're a much-prized and beloved livestock, and yak-rearing knowledge is something people are proud of. In addition to the animal's practical place in community livelihoods, yaks have a place in legends, songs and festivals. Deities are supplicated and propitiated so that they will safeguard the welfare of herds. The semi-monadic Brokpa people of eastern Bhutan have a very special yak cham or yak dance, and the high-altitude village of Ura in central Bhutan has both the yak iha propitiation ceremony and yak kur annual festival. Researcher Dr Karma Funcho, formerly at Cambridge's Department of Social Anthropology, has written evocatively about how globalisation manifests in the changing practices of a village festival. Yak herders know their environment intimately, and this knowledge is culturally encoded as seminal studies by Bhutanese scholars such as Dasho Karma Ura of the Centre for Bhutan Studies in Timpu have shown. Building on this, conservation efforts by the Royal Government of Bhutan, the Bhutan Foundation and WWF have enlisted the help of herders to camera trap the elusive snow leopard in order to better understand the ecology of the endangered species. The award-winning film The Yak Herder's Son documents the friendship between a national park ranger and a young yak herder, asking the vital question of how all those who share the land, 
livestock, predator, herder, ranger can live together in harmony. For centuries, Bhutan, a Buddhist Himalayan kingdom, was effectively closed to visitors and even today visas are hard to obtain. As a researcher seeking permission to visit or work in Bhutan, Kuyakanon Nap had to go through a rigorous application process to ensure that national and cultural sensibilities are respected. Westernised urbanites tend to romanticise life in stunningly beautiful and remote areas and to lament the passing of traditional ways of life. But the reality of making ends meet for the average herder or farmer is far from idyllic. Like everyone else, Bhutanese farmers and villagers want to enjoy some of life's comforts and for their children to attend school and have more choices. Families want to have electricity in their homes, to cook rice and watch television, to have serviceable roads and cars for accessing markets and healthcare. Despite these shifts, the role of religion and religious devotion in daily life remain great, and this is what drew Kuyukanon Nap to work in Bhutan, to understand a way of modernising without severing culture and tradition. She's deeply impressed to see that on a fundamental level, most people in the countryside still value spiritual well-being above material well-being, and that the Bhutanese state is trying to ensure that this need not be a mutually exclusive choice. The Himalayas have long been a magnet for Western travellers, who have included mountaineers, naturalists and collectors. Cambridge's Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology holds an exceptional collection of photographs taken by Frederick and Margaret Williamson, who took advantage of a colonial posting in Sikkim to travel extensively in the region during the 1930s. The adjacent Haddon Library for Archaeology and Anthropology has a collection of some 62,000 publications, gathered over nearly 90 years, including rare books relating to the Himalayas. In recollections published in 1987, Williamson paints a vivid picture of the journey she undertook with her husband. Having passed a moraine in the Tsogyu Lake, we exchanged our ponies for sure-footed yaks, which were better suited to high-altitude travelling. Mine was a nice, brown, silken-haired animal. We climbed higher and higher until we reached the foot of the glacier. On the way, we passed more lakes and also saw some baral, wild blue sheep. It was hard going, even for yak over the ice, but in two and a half hours we reached the Moon La Khan Chung Pass. Gigantic crags, reared up on all sides, with the snow and ice on their knife-edged ridges glistening brilliantly in the crisp morning sunshine. Frederick and I stood there, utterly amazed at the sublime beauty and grandeur of the Himalayas. Next in the Cambridge Animal Alphabet, Z is for a transparent animal that provides a surprisingly good model for studying tuberculosis. <laughs>